Welcome back to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. Don't worry, I didn't get suspended for throwing a stick at Jonathan Quick, but uh, I didn't actually see what happened. But I, apparently it wasn't very good. It wasn't good for the Department of Player Safety. But we do have somebody on this show who is always one of my favorite guests to talk about and one of the smartest people in, in the world of hockey, Jack Hahn, to talk the tactics of this new look Florida Panthers and around the league a little. Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, better than the Panthers, it seems. Well, better than some of us who are watching it. Although, as I'm going to try to describe as we talk about the team right now, I don't really know what to think. Um, We're recording this in the midst of this road trip where I've half watched the games because we're at 1030 at night and I have enough dignity to know to go to bed at a certain hour. Uh, I do want to say congratulations to you and your family, by the way. You're having a baby boy. That's awesome. Yeah, maybe future Panthers player. We'll see. Lots of things would have to break right for that to happen. Well, then you'd get to move to South Florida. Hopefully it's not underwater at that point. (laughs) I hope so. So I want to start by to start from the beginning, firstly, because when you were a team that they were last year, obviously incredible season, but the way it ended in the playoffs was very frustrating. And they make the decision to change coach and go to Paul Maurice. We'll talk a little about Andrew Burnett later with the Devils because I do feel obligated to mention it. But I first have to ask you, what are your thoughts on Paul Maurice before this season? Paul Maurice, the coach, largely with the Jets. Of course, he's coached in the NHL for much longer than that. But what were your thoughts on him as a coach heading into uh, recent times before, of course, he got fired or let go, depending on how you want to look at it? Because the way people viewed Paul Maurice before this season has a lot to do with how I think people view this team right now. Yeah, I, I mean, that's fair because if you looked at the way that uh, the Panthers played last year and then you looked at the way that Paul Maurice teams typically play, it, it's like oil and water. So obviously before uh, landing Florida, Paul Maurice was the head coach of the Winnipeg, Je- Winnipeg Jets for a number of years. And the Jets were very well known for having uh, a lot of good talent up front and uh, not really giving their their defensemen a lot of permissions or their kids a lot of permissions to make plays. Whereas, obviously, with the Panthers last year was quite the opposite. The defensemen were very active in all three zones and a lot of the younger players were, were given quite a long leash to make plays. So, um, I... I think most people and myself included, we weren't feeling particularly great about this hire just because it seemed like a 180 from the previous uh, tactical philosophy that the Panthers used. And you're absolutely right. But then we have to mention how it ended in the playoffs, which is the reason why they made the decision. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have for many podcasts previous, but what were your thoughts on the way it ended for the Panthers tactically? Because they got badly outcoached, not just in the games against the Lightning, but also against Washington. They brute forced that through talent rather than, I think, anything special. So what did you think about the way that season ended? Because if you were of the position as I was, where I was like, you got to let Andrew Burnett kind of grow into this. But also, if you don't, want to have him back because of how badly it ended in the playoffs. I can't really blame you because that was on coaching more than it was anything else. So I think it goes even, you know, to the previous season when uh, the Panthers lost against Tampa, when when Quenville was still the coach and it was a similar thing where 
Um, you know, the Panthers, they, they were a better possession team and arguably they even carried more of the play at five on five, but at critical moments, uh, Tampa was able to break them down either at even strength or on special teams. And then last year was like that, except worse, right? Oh, it was definitely worse. I mean, because obviously they didn't score on the power play except for one. And they actually had a decent power play in the 2021 series. And it's funny because I thought the team in 2021 was obviously an inferior team to the 2022 team, but they played way better against the Lightning. They were way more in that series. And I mean, I don't know if that was Brunette just not knowing what to do in certain situations as opposed to Quenville, who would be willing to shake things up and had, of course, that instinct that longtime coaches had to know when something is going wrong. But he, he didn't show that Brunette in the playoffs. And again, they got through the Capitals because they just had more talent. And then Tampa knew what to do to shut him down. And then they did it. Was it anything specific that Tampa was doing or was it just the same basic playbook? Because now that we look at it, the whole talk about Paul Maurice is getting to a playoff style now. And I only ask about this postseason that has gone by because it sets us up for what we're talking about with the current Panthers. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole idea of, you know, quote unquote playoff style is again, like it's not rocket science. It's not alchemy. It's not magic. In the playoffs, you're only playing against the upper half of the league because only eight teams from each conference makes the playoffs, right? So a lot of the things that, you know, basically half of the games that you play in the regular season, um, you can throw them out because they're, they're going to be against non-playoff teams. So for me, that's the biggest difference. And if you look at how the Panthers generally kind of made their money the past seasons, it's completely overwhelming teams with speed and with numbers in transition and, you know, shooting and retrieving them to death in the offensive zone. Well, if you're playing against a stronger opponent with better players, better goalies, uh, a more cohesive, you know, mindset and, you know, more experience, it's not going to work as well. Right. So the, the, the only real solution for teams like the Panthers who are very, very aggressive in how they activate their players. It's just, you got to do it better. It's not necessarily, you know, a magic potion that you can apply. And I don't think obviously they did it last year, whether it was the, per they didn't have the personnel or certainly some players in the postseason last year were not very good, but it's also just, I think that sense of knowing that there's danger and then not knowing what to do to get out of the spiral, I think was what, I saw particularly against Tampa and Washington, they just did what they did in the regular season and somehow got away with it. You know, that game five where they were down three, nothing. And then they just did their comeback thing, which I kept saying in the regular season, there's no way you can keep doing this and get away with it. And they got away with it. But now we go to this team because we don't want to focus too much on last year's team. We're going to go to this year's team. And this year's team is really weird for many different reasons. And we were chatting as we were setting this podcast up about how weird this was in many ways. And one of the things you wanted to talk about how their possession numbers at five on five are really, really good. I just saw, I think it was a stat that was posted. I want to go get it right. It was uh, the great Mike Kelly lines with at least 70% goals and XG two of the top six are Panthers lines at even strength. And yet this team is six, five and one it's had absolutely awful special teams. And yet, Obviously, they're down Ekblad, they're down Duclair, they're not going to be down to Kachuk for a couple games. 
So how do you best describe what you're seeing from this team? Because after 12 games, and to be fair, I have half watched the last three. I don't really know how to describe them right now. They're a playoff team, probably, probably not with home ice, but they're a playoff team. And the, the, the way that you can kind of, I think, look at things now is you take their underlying stats, you take their record, and then you just, you know, you, you kind of split the difference. Because the, the, one, the one big question mark I have with this team coming in is, is their defense. Like, even at the start of the season, obviously, you know, Eggblad started the season with the team, but it was going to be uh, Forsling, Eggblad on the first pair. Um, I guess Mark Stahl and Brandon Montreux on the second pair. And then, you know, whoever is on lefty and Gudis on the third pair. Like, that's not a very good decor. Like it, that, that's probably aside from Eggblad and and maybe Forsling, uh, it, it's like a below average decor. And now Eggblad is out, and you know we we got Josh Mahura who somehow is playing the best hockey, you know, of his life right now that I really didn't expect ha- has emerged to actually be a really solid pickup. And 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 I want to spend some more time on him later. I think but, every Panthers fan wants to do that. Aside from our friends at uh, Panther Parade making memes about it, I want to talk about it because I don't understand it. You're like, I look at the numbers for some of the defensemen this year for the Panthers, and even watching some of the games, I'm going, these defensemen aren't actually playing as well as the numbers are telling me. Because I'm watching Forsling and, and Montour and some of their wins, I think they're playing out of their mind levels of good. Like, they're doing way more than I thought. And Mahur, I want to spend some time on it. And yet when you look at the sum of it, a defense, they're still giving up, you know, about what? Three and a half goals a game. Their specialty teams are terrible right now. And yet at five on five, their numbers are still great. It's very confusing. So what do you put that down to? Because we look at the finishing metrics and Jay Fresh posts it. You can go to Money Puck and all these other places. And the Panthers are by far the unluckiest team in terms of finishing in the league right now. What do you put all of that down to? Okay. So again, uh, I, I would, I would suggest that we split the difference. What, what, what I mean by that is, you know, you can have players like Mahura or Mark, Mark Stahl or uh, Kirstead. You can have them join the rush. You can have them activating the ozone and, and take shots from relatively good areas. Uh, they're not going to go in. And then if they turn it over, and it goes down, you know, as a two-on-one on the other end, it has been going in. So the, the one thing that I think has been really surprising is uh, Maurice, from a tactical point of view, has let this team kind of do its thing, which means getting four players involved in the rush, activating the Ds, playing really aggressive, um, except this is objectively a much worse group of players, especially on defense. And they're kind of getting what they deserve right now. You know, they're, they're, they're creating more shots and they're, they're doing the right things tactically. But if you have Mark Stahl coming down in the high slot, taking a shot, it's not going to go in as often as if Ekblad or Uyghur or, you know, whoever else is, is doing it. Whereas if it goes back the other way, like, you know, Stahl is going to get burned wide or he's going to lose an edge or he's going to, you know, miss his assignment and then you get scored on. And, you, at the end of the day, you look at the stats and, you know, you're out shooting, you're out chancing, but really what you're doing is you're playing 
more aggressive than you should with this group of players. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me because I watched this team and there was a goal last night that I saw. It was on a power play and they just were too sloppy on a change and it leads to a goal against. And you're just asking yourself, why are you still this aggressive when Ekblad's out? And obviously you're playing Mark Stahl, who is very bad at this point in his career. But also, as you've talked about, this was not what Paul Maurice did in Winnipeg. It was very different. This is still very forward driven in many regards. But it's not, I think, what you would have expected the Panthers to look like with Maurice as the head coach. Because he did say quite a bit after he came in and in the preseason, he wants to add, not take away. And largely from my untrained eye, I think that's what's happening at five on five. They are adding to their game or at least attempting to, even if it's not going very well. But all that being said, every game of theirs has been decided by one or one plus an empty net. It's it's a weird phenomenon. So just from a tactical perspective, are you surprised that the Panthers in many ways at five on five look kind of similar to the way they did last year? They, I, I mean, they do look quite similar. You know, I, I, I still see a lot of that trademark kind of aggressiveness and transition, the ozone movement. They're a very nice team to watch, except it's just, um, you know, the difference between elite NHLers, good NHLers and, and, below average NHLers, it's kind of fine. And it only shows up maybe in larger samples, but it does exist. And I just feel like if they want to make a push and get, let's say, home ice advantage and go deep in the playoffs, like they need better players. I think that's what my co-host has been saying for a long time when it comes to the defensemen, because we were worried about it. And I'm still very much worried about it. Although when Ekblad comes back, I think it'll look better because they didn't look like this when Ekblad was in. It was too early to say. And in one of the games Ekblad played, he was playing with five defensemen. So I don't really think you can say that much about it. But from a from a five on five perspective, when you watch what you know they're they're attempting to do, and did you? It's not only that did we think that they were going to add or change something. They're largely doing, as you said, what we thought they would do, and it's working and yet none of these guys could finish like if you looked at i think it was the money puck finishing two of the top it depends might be the, the top two are panthers uh, reinhardt and bennett kachuk's playing pretty well and he's not finishing and barkoff is also in that so what do you take the not finishing to because last year they're actually a really good finishing team and a lot of that was of course the way they played but what do you take the not finishing to not just five on five, but on the power play? Because for a while I was thinking the power play for them was actually not bad. They just weren't finishing. So it seems like that's a team wide issue at the moment that they just can't get the puck to go in on chances that had been going in. Is it just luck or is it something that they're doing that is creating their own bad luck, so to speak? Well, I, I mean, I, I think at the NHL level where, where the margins are very thin and where all the players are good, when you have these large discrepancies in finishing, it, it's usually mostly luck, um, you know, th- at least the biggest chunk of it. So I think if they just keep doing what they're doing now, some of it is going to normalize. Now, the other part is uh, the players themselves. So as I mentioned before, if they're they're getting their defensemen active and all of a sudden it's you know, a Mahura or a Stahl or a Kirstead taking the shots coming downhill, it, it's not going to go in as often, right? So so you're if you 
assume that they have league average finishing, you're going to end up short on goals because these players who are defensemen and who are not especially, you know, sharp shooting defensemen, they're going to underperform. And even if you look at their forwards, you know, the Listerainens, the, the Colin Whites, like, like I find that Florida has a certain uh, type of player that they look for, which um, I think has worked for them in terms of building a team that's really good off the rush, but they're not really known for having, you know, targeting these elite finishers. Like they're, they're mostly targeting guys who can play with speed off the rush. Uh, like Colin White, when he was with the Ottawa Senators, he he wasn't he wasn't an especially uh, high scoring player necessarily, right? Like all these players that, or you know, Kachuk in in Calgary, like he he did a lot of his work around the net where he was banging rebounds and kind of taking these contested shots. He wasn't really a high percentage finisher necessarily relative to where he was shooting the puck from. So. Like, I think a lot of it with this team is just, like, they are who they are. So, even then, last year, a lot of these guys were finishing. I mean, I'm not just to say, like, Magic Chuck, but a guy like Sam Reinhart was finishing last year. Bennett was finishing last year, and obviously Barkov did, too. So, is it just the way the team is right now with those guys? And eventually, it would normalize, because you would expect, you know, a guy like Barkov to have more than, what, two goals? You would expect Sam Reinhardt, who has always been a relatively good NHL player, to not have no goals in 12 games and have just – it feels like nothing going in for him. So is that just last year being the fluke as opposed to these first 12 games, or is it maybe something else? I, I mean, last year definitely was uh, not something that you would, you would normally hope or expect to, to repeat. Because last year, the Panthers, at least in the regular season, they were really good and they were also really lucky. And when you put those things together, you get the type of season that maybe, you know, Washington had back in, you know, 2010 when they got shut out by Halak in the playoffs or the kind of season that Tampa had, you know, before they lost to Columbus in the playoffs. Um, It's just, you know, at some point the luck reverses and all of a sudden you kind of panic, but really... You know, you were never as good as you thought you were, even though you were still really good. I think that's kind of what Bill Zito admitted this offseason when he made some of those moves was like last year was a fluke in some ways. And we need to and we know we're not going to be able to do that again for the myriad of reasons we've talked about on this podcast. And like, I don't think this team is terrible. Like you, you don't become a team that is getting, you know, high 50s expected goals for percentage at even strength, even against who they were playing, and suddenly you're bad. Like, some things will change, and they you would think that they'll win, but they have questions that, you, that they need to answer, obviously, when you're losing some of the games they've lost, and it feels like they are unlucky, but they've also simultaneously not played very well. You know, there are more questions to answer, I think, than, than some of us. Th- I certainly thought that they were going to have some struggles this year. I didn't think it was necessarily going to look like this. There are a couple of things you wanted to talk about, and I'm going to ask you about them right now. First of all, you want to talk about the forwards doing the heavy lifting, uh, especially in the defensive zone. And that is different to what we saw from them last year in terms of the defensemen were active everywhere. And talk about this from the forwards doing the heavy lifting in the defensive zone and what you mean by that. Again, I, I think this is a, a factor of the, of the D's not being as good as, 
as a group as it was last year. But if you watch Barkov play, let's say, like, you know, we're talking about, you know, why does Barkov only have two goals? He's, he's driving possession and, you know, he's just unlucky. Well, one of the reasons why is because he's doing a lot of the work that a defenseman would normally be doing. So uh, the way that Florida plays, all five players are up ice. And oftentimes it's actually Barkov who's the first player back in the defensive zone to retrieve a loose puck. So, and, you know, he's, he's a very well-rounded player and, you know, he's built up this, this great reputation as a two-way center, which I think is very much deserved. So what he's going to do is he's going to kind of uh, help out his D's by going back, retrieving that puck. He's going to make the first pass and that'll free up the defenseman to kind of jump into the rush and uh, have an easier time building speed. But what that does then is now Barkov, he kind of gets left behind and he doesn't really have those quality first looks off the rush. Does it feel like he's doing that more because he's always done this. Obviously he's one of the best defensive centers in the league, but it doesn't feel like he's been doing this much defensive work. Obviously, as you said, it might be overcompensating for the fact that their best defenseman right now is Gus Forsling and that's not going to work, but does it feel like he's doing more defensive work from the, from not just this year, but from recent years, because obviously you don't want to, you know, hamper his ability to be the full 200 foot center that he is. But at some point you feel like they should take the shackles off him a little bit and say like, you can go jump in on the offense a little bit more because it feels at times like they're working a lot harder for the goals they are getting than they ever had to in the last couple of years. And again, maybe some of that's luck, but also just everything feels like it's just harder this year, a beat or two harder. Well, I mean, again, it comes back to, objectively not having the same group of player like you know you've replaced huberto which you know who's i think a top 10 player off the rush in this league he's got other flaws but off the rush he's elite uh with kachuk who's a who's a good player off the rush right um maybe more of a four checker but then you haven't replaced really marchment you haven't really replaced duclair who's who's out injured right now You've added Colin White, who's kind of a maybe a decent middle six player. Um, but overall, it's just, you know, like somebody's got to do that puck retrieval stuff. And Barkov just happens to be the best player to do it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to take him out of those situations, but I think it right now it feels like they're asking him to do just a little too much. And you would hope that's not going to be the case once they get healthy and some of its injuries too. But uh, also, yeah, you wanted to talk about Josh Mahura, and I think we should do that right now because I don't understand what is happening here. Like, I look right now at natural stat trick, and his expected goals for percentage is 62%. And his pairing with Gudis is statistically, if you look at Money Puck or some of these other places, one of the best in the league. I don't, I don't get it. So what did you want to talk about with him? Because they obviously went out the Panthers and found Gus Forsling and turned him into what he is with off of waivers. And Mahara is a, another player off of waivers that kind of has a similar profile, but not exactly the same. So what is it about him that you, that you're curious about? Because obviously the numbers are jumping off the screen at you and you watch his play and you go, he's nothing. He's not doing anything crazy in terms of one way or the other. So what is, did they just find somebody else or have they just tapped into a specific skill set that they found that has worked for them? So, so I, 
again, I'm, I'm asking myself the same things because the day that he got picked up by Florida, um, I, I went and looked at his prior, you know, statistical outputs from Anaheim and I, I was just floored. I'm like, this guy should not be playing in the NHL. Like he was getting outshot to a, a pretty aggressive extent on a team that was already pretty bad. And the, the interesting thing for me is it seems like Florida from a pro scouting point of view it is, it is kind of employing an interesting approach because again, if you look at the players that they brought in since Bill Zito's been hired, um, a lot of them ended up being extremely effective, even though their statistical priors were not good at all. Like, you know, I, I coach Mason Marchman as a player and I've been following his careers very clearly, uh, very closely over the years. And like, you know, he was extremely good in the AHL, but I, I never could have guessed how good he was with, for the Panthers last year. Or, you know, Gus Forsling, it's, it's a, he, he's a player that I've been following for a long time and I didn't think he was that good. Or, uh, you know, Brandon Montour was a player that I scouted for uh, when I when I was in Toronto, and I didn't think he could be a, a 60% possession player in this league. So they're doing something different, and it's really interesting because it's like they're they're able to to take other teams kind of cast offs and and actually incorporate them into their system and, and have them be top performers. I and I, I still haven't figured it out completely, but 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 I you know I'm starting to kind of see what what they're on about. I think it's an attributes thing, or the way I can describe it just from seeing how they've gotten these players and plug them in is we're going to ask you to do this one very specific thing. I can't figure it out because I'm not anywhere near smart enough about hockey to figure it out, but it seems that they just want them to do a specific thing and they try to accentuate whatever that is for whoever it is we're talking about. So with Brandon Montour, for instance, I think he's playing out of his mind good right now, which is insane to me because I spent all off season saying, I don't think this team's got upside on the blue line because I don't think any of these guys can give more than they've given. And yet I'm looking at Mahura, I'm looking at Montour, and they're just, they're being the best versions of themselves, right? They're not, it's not a square pegs and round holes thing. It's more, okay, we know you're really good at this. Let's find a role for you to do as good as you possibly can doing the thing you're really good at. And that works for defensemen. I think it's really heightened there, but it's happened for the forwards too. Does that make sense? Because that's the best explanation I can see of it because very few teams are able to go out on waivers and claim defensemen like Forsling and Mahur and it instantly turn them into what 60% possession players. It, it doesn't really make much sense. So there is obviously something that they're doing. I think that's the best explanation of it though. My best guess as to what they're looking for is straight line speed. Because okay. if, so, you know, Mark Stahl is a distinct exception to that rule but if you look at let's say Duclair and Marchment Verhage obviously Verhage and Forsling and Mahura like Mahura is a good skater like I, I I I never watched him that closely until now but he's a good skater he's not afraid like 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 he'll he'll initiate contact and uh like he'll really get in there and he's he's not afraid of jumping into the play and but like for me, that's the common denominator, like guys who are very fast in a straight line uh, and guys who are very instinctive and basically don't overthink it. I think I said last year, one of their keys to success was they just did their thing on instinct. 
you know, and how when they had to start thinking, which was in the playoffs, when they had to do different kinds of things, that's when they fell apart. Because once their instincts, you know, told them to do something and that thing didn't work, it's when the Panthers started to really struggle. And now they're still like that. I think what Paul Maurice is trying to do is add other tools to the toolkit. And they're not, I mean, they're still very rush heavy, but they're not quite as rush heavy as they were last year, I think. Have you seen that too? Because last year they would just fly up and down the ice and they're not doing that quite as much this year. I think that's personnel driven, but also I think that's something Maurice has probably told them, hey, you can hold back a little here at times. Like this is just a feeling that I'm getting. Like I I would have to look at, you know, their stats, let's say on sport logic or, or another kind of propri- proprietary ser- service. I, I don't think they're carrying the puck in as often as they are last year. And they're more dumping and chasing. Is it, is that, I something think that, that I can see that. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that at times they're dumping and chasing more. And, but I think it's maybe more like just certain lines that are doing it because I don't think it's happening as much when it's say Barkoff or Hagee and Kachuk as opposed to whatever it is, say, with, like, Bennett's line would do it more. And, I mean, that's just a guess. It's not me going back and proving it. It, You're right, but I I think it's happening with only certain groups as opposed to saying maybe an entire team. Maybe it's more that Maurice top six, bottom six stratification, although I haven't seen that as much this year as much as I thought I was going to either. It's a weird feeling. Yeah, and the 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 vibe that I'm getting when I watch them play is like the three fours are working extremely hard on the four check, and they they have to cover a ton of ice, and and they're still able to do it at a high tempo, but I I'm wondering if if their recent kind of cold streak is, is just caused by the players getting a little bit fatigued already. They have not really had any days off. I think they've been going every other day pretty much all year. And I think also you, they are being asked to forecheck a little bit more and they went through an exhausting training camp too. Like they were worked hard. So one of the theories my co-host has had is that maybe this is all deliberate by Maurice to, you know, whip them into shape early because this is the kind of thing you're going to have to do in the playoffs. It's a theory. I don't know. Somebody would have to ask Paul Maurice about it. I'm not there. Uh, I would love to ask him about it though, because I think that does make sense to me and it might be why it feels like, this team's working so much harder to get the same things they had been getting. I want to ask a couple of small things about some individuals before we get to specialty teams. And then I want to get out on an Andrew Burnett question in a second. I want to ask about that. You were talking about the four check when Lundell and Los Duranen play together, they are ravenous on the four check. Their numbers too are also insane and it's worked really well. I wanted to ask you what you think about that. Cause I don't think last year, and under the Quenville system, they were a good forechecking team, but they weren't necessarily this kind of aggressive on the forechecking, certainly the forwards. So what do you think about that? I think it, it's like, like we're talking about two younger players, right? Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head how, how old they are, but, but they, they've got to be younger than like 25 or 26. Lundell is obviously, he was drafted in 2020, yeah. so he's pretty young. I think Los yeah. is... 20 he's probably around 25 i'd have to look it up he's obviously another one of those players players that they was acquired under the uh he is 24 so yeah you're right uh he was acquired under talon but he's actually figured out a way to be a very good forward and they moved him to the wing this year 
as opposed to having being the fourth line center. Um, I, I think those two have obviously been the most consistent players for the Panthers all year in terms of their forwards. I think they've both been exceptionally good. Yeah. So if you look at any kind of uh, analytics, like aging curve, like you'll see that most NHL forwards, they'll peak between, let's say, 22 and 25. Right. And and I think a sizable part of that is that in in those years, you you really learn how the NHL game is played and you learn the tendencies of different players that you you play against, but also physically you're, you're able to to cover a lot of ice and to be really physical. So these two players you're talking about, they're kind of smack dab in that age range where they're getting a lot better in terms of their reads, but also physically they, they have, they're as essentially as good as they're going to be as four checkers. It's interesting because that's what they're being largely utilized for. And it's worked. I mean, I I've talked about Lundell who has good offensive potential to be a different kind of center eventually. But I mean, they're using him in a role right now that's worked. Like he's he's playing really, really well. They're getting they're getting a ton out of him. I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the specialty teams because while this team has been obviously very good five on five, their specialty teams are garbage. I don't know how much of it is Aaron Eckblad being injured. I think that has obviously something to do with it. Although last year when he was hurt, their specialty teams weren't anywhere near this bad. Obviously, there's a personnel drain. But what are they doing tactically that is making these these power plays look so, and the penalty kill, especially it feels so passive. There's no aggression in it. There's no intensity. Really. They're just kind of sitting back and waiting for something to happen. They've given a power play goal, nine straight games. That's, that's really, really bad. What did, and you were telling me that their penalty kill stinks and it is. So what are they doing? That is, that is causing a team that was pretty decent in, in these areas, obviously last year and in recent years to, I bottom two in the league in both penalty kill and power play. So if um, I, I was on the hockey PDO cast recently where I kind of railed against the, the one, two, one diamond formation on the PK. And uh, of course, uh, Florida plays a one, two, one diamond. So the, the problem with the diamond is if you match it up against the one, three, one, which is what most teams use now um, that middle player you're not covering him uh, as the puck moves around. So what, what that means is, is if the other team is able to string two or three quick passes together, now this middle player is free and you're vulnerable to him uh, either uh, one-timing a, a centering pass or him moving and then you creating a seam that allows uh, the other team to set up kind of that OV one-timer. And, and the thing that a lot of maybe more successful PK teams do is they always have a player sitting in that area, whereas Florida doesn't. So, you know, you say that Florida is overly conservative for me, they're overly aggressive, but what it is, is generally speaking, when they get in trouble, it's because they get caught in the middle. So if they just clog the middle of the ice and cut off passing lanes, they would have been okay. Or if they would have left earlier and pressure better, um, to force turnovers and clears, they also would have been okay. But it's kind of being stuck in the middle. That's really the worst. And they definitely feel like that. I want to ask about the power play too, because it too has been a mess. Some of that's Ekblad. I think a lot of it's Ekblad, honestly. But again, last year was a lot of flow in terms of the way they tried to play. And this year, it's not that. What is it that you've seen on their power play that 
has is giving you a hint of why, again, it feels like such hard work just to get a power play goal. I mean, like, who, who are who are they trying to target as a finisher? Like, wh- what kind of plays are they trying to set up? It feels to me like a lot of it was point shots. I mean, Ekblad has obviously been great at doing that. Now it's like, I think what they're trying to do is create chaos because you've got Sam Reiner who can tip pucks. You've got Matthew Kachuk. But I've always felt that this power play especially, because sometimes we've seen Barkoff use as the quasi-defenseman, that they're not putting him in positions to just put the puck away, you know? And I've always said that everything the Panthers do should be Barkoff centric. Everything should be rounded around what he does best. And that's power play too. And I just don't see it. Like, I think he can finish. I think he's got a really good shot, even though sometimes he doesn't want to shoot. But right now I'm just trying to, I think it's just, they're trying to create havoc with tip shots and, you know, let Reinhardt and, and Kachuk do dirty work. I think that's what the goal is. At least that's what I was assuming it was when I saw their alignment at the start of the season. And I guess they're still trying to do it. What, do you, what have you seen? Yeah, it's like, again, it's an approach that works really well at five on five, which is to get a lot of shot volume and a lot of chaos and, you know, hoping to, to break down the defensive structure by shooting and retrieving. It doesn't work as well in the power play. Like if you look at the top, power plays in the league whether it's Edmonton whether it's Toronto whether it's Tampa whether it's uh you know St. Louis got a pretty good one a lot of them have kind of a a menu of three to five set plays that they use with the puck going to their best finishers and I I just I've never seen that from the Panthers I think it's also I think their best finisher at the moment is Carter Hagen. he plays on their second unit so so as we start to wrap this up, it's such an interesting time right now in the league because there's a lot of teams that are very, very average, it feels like. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the Devils and Andrew Burnett because it's naturally a connection people are going to make. And it's something I think we're going to hear a lot more about, particularly because the Devils look like they're actually good now as opposed to being a team that always said, oh, our underlying numbers are good, but we can't get a save. Now it actually feels like they're a complete team. And I haven't watched them play, I have to be honest. But, I mean, I'm hearing all the Devils fans that I know are giving Andrew Burnett all of the flowers. Are they looking like what the Panthers basically looked like the last couple of years from what you've seen of them? Because that system really does work in the regular season. We have to be, we have to be honest. Yeah, very similar. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. Are they getting – is it just that players that – figured to take a step up are now actually doing it because it is that kind of flow game that they're playing, you know, that the rush game that they're playing allows them to, you know, increase the shot volume, all the things that we saw when the Panthers went from good to great, basically. Well, I mean, they got a really strong decor. Now they got Siegenthaler and Hamilton on the top pair. They got, um, Graves, Don I Marino, think Marino, I've seen a lot of praise for him this year. Yeah, and then Severson on the third pair. Like, that's a really skilled and speedy defense core, perfect for the kind of game that they're trying to play. And don't forget, like, five games of the season, everybody wanted the whole thing to get burned down because – Well, he Andrew Burnett would have been the head coach if they fired Lindy Ruff, let's be honest, and we all think that. But it's... Yeah, but, 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 but again, like, when you're, when you're that aggressive – and when you're that kind of when you're that good at tilting the ice, 
you are vulnerable to kind of one mistake snowballing and then all of a sudden you're you're giving up you know great a scoring chances and goals against off the rush so you are playing on a razor's edge um the more you do it the better you you get at it but it's the kind of thing that that does blow up in your face because again the nhl is a very parity driven league and you know if you if you want to play more aggressive and get more players up in the rush there's always a downside of you know your you're going to die of blunt force trauma as opposed to dying by a thousand paper cuts. It feels like what we were saying about the Panthers for a lot last year, I have to say. And I mean, good for the devils. They deserve to win. But when I see them succeed like this, I always wonder like there is a downside to this. And I wonder when that downside shows up, although it's good for them to win. They haven't been a good team for a decade, so they do deserve it. Um, Just as we get you out of here, you're watching the Leafs game as you record this. So kudos to you for sticking with me here. Uh, is there anything else tactically you wanted to talk about seeing at the start of the league and now there were every team's played basically 10 games or more? Is there any tactical trend that you've noticed or any team that's doing something interesting that you wanted to point out? Well, I'm, I'm still researching it. Um, if, if you're not familiar uh, with what I'm doing now, um, I, last year I started putting together an ebook with all the systems uh, the five-on-five tactics of all 32 NHL teams. This year, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'll add special teams as well. Uh, generally speaking, we're seeing the league as a whole uh, move to being, I would say, more aggressive or more creative offensively uh, like the Panthers were last year. So as a whole, the, the league is moving in that direction. Um, but really, if you, want to, if you want to know all the details, uh, Follow, uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, you'll know when this next uh, book comes out, probably next January. You, you got the plugs in before I was able to get them to you. You're, you're, you're natural at this. Yeah, so best place to follow me, on it's on Twitter, J-H-A-N-H-K-Y. Um, Hopefully Twitter doesn't explode before the next ebook comes out. Yeah, well, we'll see. Stranger things have happened, but in the meantime, uh, follow me there. Uh, you, you'll get regular posts from me on what NHL teams are doing systems wise. You'll also get articles, uh, free articles from my newsletter. Uh, and, and of course, you'll be first to know if uh, or when I come out with my next ebook. I, I am obviously a very, very religious reader of the, of the newsletter when it comes out every day. I like reading it. I like learning about it. And maybe just maybe part of the ebook is going to be discovering what the hell Josh Maher is and how this happened. Because once you find the answer out to that, I mean, maybe maybe you want to keep that secret for the sake of the league. But, I mean, I, I want to know the answer to that question because it, it's baffling. I don't understand it. Yeah, uh, well, I, I don't have the answer yet, but maybe one day. Well, I think if there's anybody out there who could figure it out, it's probably you. I'm certainly not capable of it. But anyway, Jack, it's obviously a pleasure to be with you and talk to you about this stuff. And I can't wait to do it again soon. All right. Take care, Matt. Talk to you soon.